Hello guys, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about web development and we are going to unite with ACO goals because I often see when uh, websites were created without optimization, it's hard to get results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mickey Mellon. How are you? Hey, doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I remember our first episode, so valuable, so I want to learn more. Mickey, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share about this important topic. Sure. So I started playing with websites and SEO around 2000. I had a few websites back then that did very well because it was not as competitive as it was today. It was, it was pretty awesome. I uh, started a web design firm in 2009, and this is one of the things we offer our clients. We build websites, but a big piece of that for a lot of clients is ranking better on Google and getting more traffic in that way. Not for all of them, but for many of them, it's, it's often a good place to be. And so, yeah, it's something we study a lot and love sharing about and helping others get there too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay. Can you tell uh, what to do first? For example, if I'm going to create a website, because I often get the question how to create websites that I don't need to optimize to fix errors. Uh, really, I don't know. Of course, you will have a lot of issues that you need to develop, update, uh, innovate any websites. So can you tell where to start? For example, uh, if I'm going to create a new website, I need to write the task for web developers or any other tips that you usually ask for, uh, from your customers. For sure. Yeah. The first place we start is with messaging. We spend better part of a month kind of figure out who we're talking to and what their problems are and how we solve them. And one of the best things you can have on your website, if someone comes to it and you just share their problem, they can say, hey, they're talking about me. They understand what I've gone through. And then you then lead into how you solve it and go from there. That's not strictly SEO, but that's where we start. Just kind of figure out who we're talking to. And then we can work on keywords that might apply to those folks. But understanding who that final audience person is, what they're like, and really what their struggles in life are, what keeps them awake at night. Knowing that and then showing them that, just reflecting that to them, saying, hey, you have this problem. They say, oh, they know my problem. That's that's huge. You get big points right away. You know. Yeah, of course, of course. It's better to know your customers' problems and think how you can satisfy their intent, decide their problems. And Mickey, I have the question about choosing the right CRM. Can you tell how to do it? Uh, because we have a lot of different CRMs. Of course, it depends on our goals. But uh, I personally like WordPress because I have web developers who can handle the process. Your tips how to find the right one. Yeah. So, yeah, you said CRM, but I think you mean CMS. You're talk CMS, yeah, sorry. Yes, so, yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so WordPress is all we use. And I think that's really the best bet for almost everyone simply because of the ownership of it. And I think we talked about last time is, you know, having ownership of what you have. And on WordPress, you can take your site and move it to a different host if you need. You fully control it, whereas with Webflow or Squarespace or others, they're fantastic. And there's, there's good use cases for them, but they own you. If they decide they don't like you anymore or you've broken their terms or whatever the case may be, you're done. You have to start from scratch. Whereas WordPress, you can always take it with you and move place to place. And of course, it makes it easy to generate more content and do all the things that, that Google really likes to see. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you provide your cheek? checklist of choosing the right CMS. Uh, I mean, like uh, how to review different CMS and uh, decide, okay, I am going to go ahead with this CMS because, you know, I often see when websites were created on uh, CMS that uh, are not related to uh, website goals, preferences, and it's hard to handle the process, to uh, go ahead, to promote your products. Any tips about or checklist how to review them before choosing uh, one? For sure, yeah. So again, WordPress is where we'll default a lot of times, but it's not perfect for everyone. So I think if you're a very small company, like I meet a lot of people at a local coffee shop, they don't need to invest thousands of dollars into a website with WordPress, you know, because WordPress 
the one catches, it can be a little tricky. It's a little more work to kind of get built. You have to do a little bit more manually with it. So for someone like them, Squarespace could be fantastic. If you're just a small little shop, just need something quick, Squarespace does a great job. And then at the other end, it kind of gets past WordPress as well. If you're getting a huge e-commerce shop, you're talking $100,000 projects and beyond, WordPress may not be great there. You could use a Shopify or even more custom solutions to build on that end. But I mean, I think a huge chunk of businesses, 90% probably fall in between those two. And that's where I think there's really not much of a question that WordPress is the way to go for now. You know, things will change over time for sure. But again, all the new ones coming out are, are controlled by other companies and WordPress, you get to control yourself. And that's such an important thing, you know, to really have ownership of your, your digital content. And so, yeah, I go WordPress most of the time, other than very, very small companies or very, very huge ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. I agree. You know, even uh, what I like on WordPress that uh, most web developers understand WordPress. So if you need to hire more people or, uh, for example, to change your web developers, you can do it on WordPress because it's not hard to find people who can handle the process. It's a great and, point. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, that's one thing we tell our clients is we're, we're very easy to fire too, because if we build something custom, you're stuck with us, whether you like us or not. But if we build on WordPress and you don't like us, you can hire other WordPress people very easily. So that gives them flexibility to do what's best for them and makes us work very hard to do what the best we can so they don't go somewhere else. So it's a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. I want to ask about errors. You know, I I often check out my website, uh, my customers' websites, and I see a lot of errors. Each time that I provide this audit, I get a list of errors, and I don't know what to fix first, what to ask web developers, and in most cases, they can't fix all errors. So can you tell how to choose critical errors that it's a must have and uh, go ahead with them? Yeah, so a couple different thoughts there. So one, with WordPress, of course, you can choose different themes. And I see a lot of the problems come from someone buys a theme that has all kinds of stuff built into it. And it does everything you want on a theme. And that tends to cause more errors because they just have so many pieces in there versus the way we tend to build is find a very simple, beautiful theme that doesn't do much and then just add plugins for the pieces we need so it doesn't have extra bloat. So you have fewer errors to begin with. And the severity of errors can certainly vary a lot. The, the big one I see the most often that's just a killer is uh, in the back end of WordPress, you can say discourage search engines from visiting this site, which you should have for a development sites. They don't do it. But I see some, lots and lots of sites that leave that checked when the site goes live and Google obeys that. Google won't index the site and they, their search is literally zero until they uncheck that box. And so it's not an error you see, but it's, it's so easy. It's just one checkbox, but it's devastating because Google will literally just unindex your entire site and you won't rank for anything. And then, like mm -hmm. you said, there's a lot of errors in between and the severity of those certainly depends on, you know, what, what exactly they are. But you have things for usability and accessibility. And I mean, certainly you want to you want to minimize errors. But I don't have any specific thoughts there other than just doing it right off the bat. You know, there's a very the most popular WordPress theme is called Aveda. And I tell people not to use it. It's I mean, they've sold millions of copies because it has so many things. It has three different sliders and plugins and languages and all this stuff. So as soon as you get anything else to it, it just starts breaking, you know, starts falling apart. Whereas again, you can find just a simple, bare bones, beautiful theme that doesn't do much, and then just add just the plugins you need for what you need done. The, the fewer things you have, you know, mixing with each other, the, the fewer errors you'll end up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, valuable. And uh, what do you think about uh, hacking attacks? You know, uh, let me share my story. Uh, my websites were hacked two, two times. In the first time, I lost. <laughs> entire business after this Ooh. hacking attack because uh, it happened uh, in Christmas uh, and that was an online shop. Uh, so at that time, yeah, usually yeah, yeah. 
sold a lot of stuff, uh, like 20% of all sales uh, that uh, we get for the entire year. Uh, and we uh, had a lot of uh, goods in our store, but it happened. Uh, our website didn't work uh, like for 10 days. We didn't know what to do. Oh. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's okay. It's experience. Uh, after that, I've learned that it's better you know, to <laughs> prepare for something like this, you know, because, you know, preparation costs uh, significantly less than uh, treatment, <laughs> sure. you know, because, you know, I think uh, I'm like uh, many other people, they, they're not willing to pay a dollar for uh preparation but uh, they will pay thousand dollars for treatment because yeah we need to have this healthy and uh, uh, the second time uh that was interesting because google search console and antiviruses didn't show anything hmm. um so uh but we found that our uh, ranking positions dropped then we uh, analyzed deeply with some tools and found that website uh, was hacked because, because of plugins. Uh, and uh, what we did, uh, we uh, recovered the old version, we uh, submitted all content, but we found that this virus changed uh, some plugins uh, to show that uh, it's better to no follow content in some pages that's why google uh, dropped ranking positions and we didn't didn't know about that so mm -hmm. yeah just randomly we found these errors because antiviruses didn't show anything so yeah it, it took like three months three months to recover so yeah. can you tell what to do in such cases uh, 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 how to prepare your wordpress website uh, before some uh, thing that happened because you know today plus 30 percent of all websites are hacked it's a lot mm -hmm. yeah so yeah your last example is a tough one we've seen that once before too where a good virus won't get caught because it just puts a skull and crossbones on your site you know you've been hacked and you'll fix it but a good one will sneak in and just kind of put some links to other things in the site and not be detected so those are those are tough but for us there's really four things we think of to prevent that one is back to the idea of a simple theme again if you have that big bloated theme with all kinds of stuff there's many more things that need to be updated and it's harder to keep up with versus a simple theme our themes almost never need updates because they don't do anything and the plugins do we just have to manage a handful of plugins that can help uh, we scan often again most things you can catch with scans we scan all of our sites, all of our client sites twice a day from two different scanning engines because they look at it a little bit differently. Um, keeping good backups is key. I mean, it's some, something will happen at some point, you know, so we keep tons of backups on hand. I mean, backups are so cheap these days. And I think I think we keep something like 100,000 different backups on hand between hundreds of clients and because it's, it's so cheap to keep them. So we have backups for everything. And then your host matters a lot too. If you have a cheap host, the host can get their server infected, which can then spread to the websites. And that is something you can't really control other than, not being on that kind of host. That's where we like companies like WP Engine and Flywheel and some of those that do good hosting and kind of isolate sites from one another. So if one site does get hacked, it doesn't infect the others and they have their own firewalls and other things to help prevent it there too. Um, but again, I've heard the only way to make sure your site doesn't get hacked is to not have it online. You know, if you're online, there's always a chance you get hacked. So just having good scanning and good backup so you can catch it quickly and, and fix it quickly is your, your best bet. Yeah, by the way, guys, I never, 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 I'm search for uh cheap price uh of hosting provider never <laughs> because you know, hosts aren't I, expensive either i mean a good yeah. like, wp engine is like 30 bucks a month i mean it's not five a month but it's still it's 30 bucks it's not that big of a deal we're not talking hundreds or thousands for a typical site so yeah yeah i i usually pay 150 dollars uh, more than even i need but 
for me, it's better to have high speed than uh, to lose some customers because of the speed. You know, sure. so yeah, we analyzed them uh, a few times and got it. For example, Amazon invests billion dollars to uh, website speed uh, to have this uh, uh, big uh, buildings with, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, many equipment there. So yeah, and uh, uh, Mickey, my next question about uh, site speed. Can you tell uh, what to do, how to increase site speed, uh, website speed? Of course, it depends uh, on the project. But anyway, uh, if you have some checklist how to analyze uh, website speed and uh, how to fix it, uh, share with our audience. For sure. So I'm going to go back to the well again. If you get this theme that has all this stuff built in, it's going to have so much crap in there, it's going to slow you down. And so again, a simple theme and fewer plugins will help with speed. Um, back to a good host. I mean, a good hosting company is going to be faster. Like you said, you pay more for your host to have that better speed. And that's certainly a big factor. And then it's just a matter of how it's built from there. You know, there's image optimization tools where you can have an image that looks this big, but could actually be five times smaller if you just optimize it and make the site load more quickly. I was talking to a client the other day. They have a page with tons of images and the whole page is like 25 megabytes, which is huge for a web page because one little image was actually 22 meg and they forgot to optimize it. So fixing that took them from 25 megabytes to like three. And suddenly, I mean, their site loads much, much faster and they solved it. But just keeping an eye on things like that can help. Uh, the tool we like to use for that is GT Metrics, um, mm-hmm. M-E-T-R-I-X, <laughs> gtmetrics.com. You can check the site speed on any site and it'll tell you what files are slow and give you some idea of, at least in terms of raw files, where the problem is. And then your hosting company should be able to tell you if you have scripts or other things that are kind of bogging things down. But yeah, good good hosting, simple themes. Again, doesn't have to be a simple looking site, just a simple theme that keeps it clean behind the scenes. and. That'll help a ton. Yeah, because speed speed matters a little bit to Google, not as much as people think, but it matters a lot to humans. I mean, when you come to a site, we want it to load fast. So, yeah, certainly yeah. important to have. Nice, nice. Got it. Uh, let's talk about uh, hiring, how to find great web developers, because it's hard. It's hard. Uh, I think, yeah, it's hard to find great writers, designers, and including web developers. So tell our audience how to do it, how to find the right <laughs> web developers today. <laughs> Yeah, so that's easier said than done for sure. I find good places, really two places. One is actually Facebook. I don't use Facebook a lot, but the, some of the Facebook groups are fantastic. There's a lot of WordPress and development groups where people talk about issues and problems. You can see who the people are that always have the right answers in there. And then there's companies like GoWP, um, G-O-W-P.com. Um, they have like, we actually hired someone through them. They have a, a dedicated developer program where you can hire part-time people through them and at least get connections and those kinds of services can be great. But yeah, I find the best ones we have are just through our community, you know, knowing other people in the in the WordPress community and they have friends and they have friends and, you know, we all get together in some of these groups with issues and, and people tend to bubble up. I mean, the best ones probably don't. They probably stay hidden away working hard, but at least you can get those connections to find folks. Mm-hmm. And how do you check out uh, web developers before uh, having a deal? Uh, because, you know, uh, uh, sometimes we can make wrong decisions. I often mm-hmm. do it, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's part of the process. Uh, so, you know, especially if you have, uh, I don't know, like complex uh, uh, website, m- many things to do, for example, to launch tools. So uh, tell your thoughts how to test web developers before starting. Because, you know, I cooperated with a few clients who wasted a few years trying to uh, do something with with front web developers, and then they just quit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so three thoughts there. One, 
just ask to see the work they've done before. It's not a sure thing because they could lie about it, but at least see what they've done and get an idea there and then talk to them about that work. I mean, you can tell pretty quickly if someone knows what they're talking about, can explain how things were built versus if they're trying to sort of guess and, you know, they're making things up. But we found pretty quickly people that can just speak the language, you know, in terms of WordPress and talking about custom post types and templates and plugins and just using the terminology. I know they're at least, at least familiar. And then for us, we usually hire them as a contractor first. We'll say, hey, we're going to hire you for this one project and let's go and see how this works together. We pay them for it. I mean, it's a full full contractor. And then if things go well and they, they do a good job, they're responsive, they build good stuff, then, okay, now let's look to move on to the next step and hire them. But I found that like test projects live aren't really fair because even most, any developer still going to be Googling things and using Stack Overflow. And that's okay. I don't want to like see what's in their head necessarily. I don't see how they solve the problems. So we say, hey, here's this website we want to build. We'll pay you $1,000 to develop or whatever it is. And they build it out. And then we can see, did it come out well or not? And, and go from there. So paid test mm -hmm. projects we do with pretty much anyone we hire, even writers and we hire, we'll pay them just to write a blog post or something first, just to test them. But I also see companies that are a little unfair with that, where they give test projects to people and don't pay them and then just kind of take the work and use it. Like, we'll, we'll still pay for people to write a post or develop a site, but that's also a test and we'll see if they're good and then we can hire them or not after mm -hmm. that. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, I want to ask the question, uh, you can reply, it depends. That's normal, you know, uh, but uh, I often see when web developers use different approaches. Uh, it's the same like in marketing. Uh, uh, if you ask a hundred marketers what to do, you can get a hundred replies. And um, yeah, it's the question like uh, what was first, egg or uh, chicken? Uh, but here I want to ask uh, what to do first, uh, writing, design or web development. <laughs> gotcha. So I think just the exact opposite. Yeah, the order you said, I mean, writing comes first. Like I said, we start with messaging, figure out what's going on, who we're talking to, what their problems are. And then we work on just design to that, how we're going to lay it out, what the user flow down the page looks like. And then we develop it out. Development is really becoming the easier part of this, especially with some of the new tools coming out. I mean, I love our developer. She is fantastic, but that's going to keep getting easier. But it's still, I think the hard part, even with AI tools, still really talking to customers and understanding what matters to them is going to be difficult to replicate. So I think, yeah, the writing comes first into the design, which again, thinking through the user's perspective of how it should flow down the page and then say, all right, developer, make it dance, you know, give them a couple of weeks to knock that out. Yeah, nice, nice. You know, I found uh, that web developers can't estimate uh, the right deadline always. You know, if you ask uh, how long does it take, I usually get reply like a week, two weeks, but it takes months, you know. So right. uh, 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 the last time I decided to consider. So if I get this reply, then I need plus uh, some time <laughs> and yeah, to consider, okay, I can get this project uh, in this time. Uh, sometimes when uh, I get reply a week, I can wait for uh, three, five months. Uh, and yeah, I think it's like part of the process, you know. Right. So. Can you tell about the right, uh, how to estimate the right deadline when you cooperate with developers? Because they can't predict everything. They, yeah, they can estimate before starting, but uh, when they find some, uh, I don't know, problems, challenges, uh, pinfalls, so uh, it can procrastinate uh, deadline. Any tips about that? Yeah, so a few thoughts. I mean, it's it can be hard to do on a big project. For us, most of our projects follow the same at least same building blocks. So our developers, okay, I need to build three custom post types and 47 pages and a blog. And they can we can kind of do the math on that and get it pretty accurate. For us, the slowdown comes really from the clients. When we say, okay, we're going to give you this, you have a week to approve it or not. And they, they take off for two or three weeks and before they get back to us, that slows the whole project down, but that's okay. 
for bigger ones, it is tough. I mean, if you have a, a giant custom thing that no one's really done before, it can be difficult to estimate. And so we have partners we work with. Some are better than estimating than others. And yeah, we just, we do our best and yeah, it can be, it, I don't have a good solution for big projects because it can be, it can be unknown. But for us, most of the sites we build are straightforward enough that we know the number of blocks and we say, okay, it's going to take our week, free, week, week for each of these custom post types. We have, you know, three hours per page to build out or, you know, whatever the math is, we can get it pretty darn close. But when you get the weird, we've never done this before, then yeah, there's, I don't have a great answer for that other than just, yeah, we, we try to pad our estimate too to, to not disappoint people, but you also don't want to scare them when they, when they think the estimate is too long too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, my next question about uh, your unique selling proposition or strong side. For example, uh, I found that all specialists have their strong sides. For example, if I cooperate with writers, I usually search for experience. Um, uh, we promote many websites in crypto niche, forex niche, finance, and uh, if I see that writer uh, usually. Writes for Forbes, Bloomberg, uh, uh, Investopedia. Yeah, I understand. So he he knows how to write. Uh, of course, we analyze one more time uh, traffic, you know, by HRFs. Uh, and if we see that uh, uh, the writer publications have traffic, then yeah, we can cooperate. What mm -hmm. about web developers? Tell about your strong side. Uh, what kind of customers you have? Why you prefer to cooperate with them? And what you can and what you can't? Sure. So our best customers usually have a marketing person on staff. They're a 25 person company and have that marketing person that's been tasked with doing more than they could possibly ever do. So we can work with that person and make them look good. The advantage there is if we work directly with an owner, the owner is busy running the company, which we certainly work with plenty of owners, but it's tough. But if we have that marketing person that their job is to work with us to make it happen, communication is so much better and it works great. Uh, for us too, we don't really do e-commerce much anymore. Um, we have plenty of e-commerce friends that we can refer things to. That's a whole different animal. You know, we get clients that would e-commerce e clients that would email us every day saying, "Hey, this coupon code doesn't work in Idaho, and we ship to Canada, the pricing's wrong, and lots of very legitimate problems we need to solve." But it would just chew up all of our time. So we we let e-commerce be handled. We're more B two B service based, kind of focused on that. And again, our big thing is we're going to spend a month with every client up front, figure out what their story is, what their customers are, really making it work right. So when we get to things down the road for email marketing and stuff, social media ads, whatever it is, they'll come to the site and clients will say, oh, yes, that, that is me. And conversion rates will be a lot higher versus just saying, let's just build a site and start running ads to it because then all the ads will just kind of bleed out the backside without without getting anything. So we're slow and deliberate, but but do a good job for those you know B2B service based kind of folks. Yeah, I agree. Quality is key. You know, it's yeah. not like uh, about speed. Of course, if you want to speed, you can lose quality. But yeah. yeah. I and I can, again, if people need speed. I have friends. I can say, hey, that person will use a template and they can get you going in three weeks. And that sometimes they need it. And we just that we had one email last week saying they have a conference in 30 days. They need to build a site for and we can't do that, but they can. I have a friend that can talk to and do that. And I alluded to earlier, the other thing we're big about is freedom, making sure you know, people are on an open source platform on hosting they control. Like I want people to have everything they need in their hands. I hope they work with us for years and years because it's a good relationship, but not because they're stuck with us. They have the power to be on their own hosting with their own stuff and can walk away at any time. And that leaves them in a position of power, which ultimately makes us look good. But I mean, again, we've broken relationships too, where they decide they found a better solution. We wish them well. So I don't want to keep anyone trapped either. That's not really ethically wise. I don't think so. Nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned about uh, content rate optimization. For example, if you can help with social media ads uh, or any other marketing, paid marketing. Uh, 
I'm interested, you know, for example, um, I met many times when a website has landing page, uh, looks good. Then after redesign, uh, it looks better, but conversion rate is lower. <laughs> so mm -hmm. can you tell about how to optimize uh, landing pages or uh, probably if you have some best practices, average data, how to create a landing page that will convert in the end? Sure. So two directions I would go there. One is just do some A-B testing. If you can build two landing pages that look, use different phrasing and send half the ads to each and see which one converts better. Um, that's certainly an easy way to go. And if you've done the right messaging, you should know those problems people have, especially a landing page coming from ads. You know exactly what ad they typed on. You should be able to speak directly to the problem. And the other thing we use a lot of is heat maps. Um, Crazy Egg is a popular tool. Uh, Microsoft Clarity is a great one. It's free to use. That will just kind of show where people scroll on the page and what they're clicking on, what they're not clicking on. You can watch recordings. You'll see session recordings that are anonymous. You can see, watch people's mouse and where they click and where they kind of go. And that can tell a lot. If you expect them to click this button at the top and they all just drift past it, maybe you need to rethink the, the call to action with that button or do something different there. But yeah, data can help quite a bit. But yeah, A-B testing is a little tricky to do sometimes, but can be fantastic just to say, hey, here's the one we've been doing. It's not working well. Let's rename it and just see what it does and compare both of them, see which one's better, and then just kind of pick the better one and then tweak something else and kind of keep just breaking it apart into multiple ones. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some tools not for that specifically, but like MailChimp, I know, has a great tool if you use MailChimp for email marketing, where you can say, hey, here's two headlines for two subject lines for the email. Do Send it to 10% of the people for each one. And then whichever one is better, send that good headline to the other 80%. So we can kind of A-B test in real time in email, email marketing. So there's some fun tools to make that, that easy to really optimize better. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. Uh, yeah, I know that... Uh... These tools can implement AI. I think mm -hmm. all tools implement AI today because yeah, no, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was simple to ignore, hard today, impossible tomorrow. Yeah, AI is like it's a regular tool. But yeah, I never knew that uh, MailChimp can provide uh, this forecast, you know, about uh, how many people will open email. So interesting. Yeah, yeah I'll check out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, communication. You know, I found uh, it's hard. Uh, to uh, communicate in the right way with web developers. Uh, in most cases, they are busy. You know, uh, you can busy uh, be busy. So can you tell how to communicate right? Because according to some data, uh, web developers implement less than you ask them. For example, if you provide uh, 10 points, they can implement like three, four points. Uh, uh, most are ignored. Uh, the most common reply uh, uh, we can't do it, uh, our CMS can't allow it, uh, or anything else. So can you tell how to uh, create the right communication uh, and to know exactly that we can? Yeah, so yeah, for us, it helps because again, we use WordPress, we know what it's capable of, and we can handle that. We know what people are able to do. And if someone does three out of the 10 things we ask, that becomes someone we don't work with much anymore because we expect them to do all the things we ask or at least ask for questions. And then for communication, I found the best way for developers, especially if they're in different parts of the world, is just like asynchronous video like Loom. You know, Rather than an email, a short Loom video saying, hey, here's the screen and you change this to this and kind of show them exactly what you need that they can watch at their leisure, You know, really can work well versus trying to get on a Zoom call every time, which could be better, but can be tricky depending on stuff. So we do a lot of, lot of Loom videos, a lot of asynchronous videos where I'll make a video for you, you can watch it later, you can send one back to me and we can really communicate pretty clearly that way and that works pretty well mm -hmm. yeah got it got it and 
uh, what uh, messengers do you use to communicate with them? I mean, like Skype, Telegram. Uh, we use Slack. Google Meet. We use Google Meet a lot. Uh -huh. We use Slack with some folks. I mean, really, we use email quite a bit still, just because that's, I mean, the ultimate asynchronous. I, I'll say, hey, here's the video. I'll email it to them. They can check it out later. They can write back. I mean, we, we use email still a lot, but quite a bit of Slack. And then for video chats, we often use Google Meet. But I mean, they're Meet and Teams and Zoom, and they're all basically the same. So yeah, whatever you're comfortable with works. Yeah, yeah, so, got it. Okay, Mickey, let's talk about mistakes. You know, in my life, I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them. I don't know another way how to learn. I remember when Shaquille O'Neal got uh, such question about mistakes, and he replied, he doesn't feel that mistakes are mistakes. He can call them like learning, you know, uh, mm -hmm. education. And uh, he replied, if you start something new, uh, you can start from uh, basic uh Math, uh, uh, methods uh, from best practices, then you need to adapt, to implement, to think uh, differently, uh, to go ahead. Uh, and uh, can you list common mistakes that uh, website owners still do today and your tips how to find a much better way? Yeah, so I think the biggest one I see from website owners is they think the site is for them. And it's not, it's for their customers. And so we don't want to say we've been around since 1960. You want to say, here's the problem you have, and here's why you are on the site, and here's how we can help with that. And that helps with so many issues that come up. You know, a common thing web designers hear is a client wants to make the logo bigger. You know, they always joke about wanting the logo bigger and bigger. And I just ask, how will that help your customers if the logo is bigger? And generally, it won't. You know, so if you view everything through the lens of the customer, it can, it can help. Um, another example, I know a law firm, uh, a friend of mine, he has all his services listed on the page, which is great. So you can go to what law service you need. When you go into each one, it has a forward and back button to see all the other services, which is very self-centered. No one's coming to the site saying, I need that service and saying, oh, let me kick back and see what else you have. Like no user is going to do that. So it's just, they're not thinking through the head of their customer. They should say, here's that service you looked about. Here's how to get started, you know, because that's why they came. So he just has the wrong, he's thinking people are going to kick back and just flip through all the services, but it's kind of like having a slider on your homepage. You know, people aren't sitting back watching all the slides go by. Only the owner is. And so, yeah, if you can think yeah. through the eyes of your customer, I think that's the, the biggest thing you can do just to have that whole perspective on everything you do is what would, I guess, going back to our messaging. In our messaging, we set up a persona. We say, who is the person coming to the site? Kind of picture them in our head. It's Jenny. She's 52. And, you know, so we think of everything. What would Jenny want from this site? How would should we talk to her about it? And if you can frame the entire process, all the website, the social, email, everything from Jenny's perspective, it makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. I agree. You need to think more about customers, not about your business. Uh, and the biggest mistake that I can see when uh, websites share how they're great, you know. Nobody right. cares how you <laughs> exactly. are great, you know. <laughs> Everyone yeah. want to be great. So if you can help your customers to become great, to make your customer hero. And uh, can you tell how to learn customers? Okay, if I want to create content for my customers to help them, to support, can you tell uh, how to learn, to understand what uh, in their minds, their pain points uh, before creating content? Yeah, well, it depends how old your site is. If you've had a business for a little while, you've had customers ask questions. And so we just say, what are the questions you get most from the customers? And let's answer those on the site. Because that's usually where their pain points are. And then the other side of it, Rory Vaden, he's an author. I've read some of his books. He said, you're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. So a lot of people create a business to solve a problem they used to have. You know, maybe there was a device for the car seat that didn't work. So they made this device and they're selling it. And they say, I can appreciate parents that wish they had this device. So you're, you can serve the people, you can serve the people that were once like you are. So you know where they are. You can speak their language. You know the problems they have. 
so many businesses have that where they, they built a business to solve a problem and now they know all the other people with that problem. So they're, they're one of their own customers and that can be a great way to do it too. But a lot of times just ask, you know, when we do our messaging, we'll talk to the client quite a lot about what they think, but they'll say, Hey, can we talk to some of your customers too? We want to hear what they say, what their problems are, why they trust you more, why they don't trust you, you know, whatever the case may be. And just talking and learning can be the other way to go if it's not something that you've experienced yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. I open your LinkedIn profile and I see the company, your company, Green uh, Melon, Milan. Yep. Uh, Melon. No, yeah. <laughs> Melon. Okay. Uh, can you tell about this company, how this company can help others, how this company can support others? Because uh, I like your background. Uh, I see a team, so I know yep. <laughs> people who will cooperate with me. So uh, more about your company. Sure. Yeah. Really, the two ways we help companies are building websites and maintaining sites. And they're not necessarily the same people. I mean, we can maintain any WordPress site for folks to help them just like we talked about security, keep it backed up and secure and scanned and all that and help with little changes to it. And then we can also build sites going through that, that process we talked about. It's like a six month process, but talking about the messaging, figure who they are, who they serve, all that stuff into design, into writing and then building things out from there. So yeah, we build fantastic sites for those, you know, B2B service based kind of companies. You know, if you sell a new widget or new product that we're not the right fit. Certainly happy to talk to those folks so I can find them the right fit, but we're not the one there. If you're a service-based company that, yeah, works with other professionals, we can work through that process and it's fantastic. And then again, if you already have a site, you're happy with it, you're just, it's kind of crumbling a little bit, you need some support, we can take you in and just help you with support and keeping it up to date and handling little issues as they come up for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about simple tools, you know, uh, because um, I create a lot of simple tools for my customers. It's not my uh, main development. I usually cooperate with other web developers uh, uh, because uh, now uh, I'm looking for uh, web developers who can create simple tools from uh, Google spreadsheet, Microsoft Excel, uh, if we have some formulas uh, we need to implement them in uh, uh, web content so uh, any tips you can do it or uh, how to find web developers who can yeah so it depends exactly what you need i mean some of those get pretty robust we know other big development firms that can do the really complex stuff but the best tool we build is i've mentioned a few times is a custom post type which sounds daunting but it's really just in wordpress you have posts and you have pages and we can make new ones for like staff or products or whatever so when you want to add a new staff member, you don't have to go in and upload an image and try to align it to the right side and figure out that. You can just kind of fill out a form. So here's the picture and their title and their bio and it magically builds the page form automatically. And that's probably the best tool we can offer folks is to build those custom post types for different areas of the site. So when they go in to add it, they can just add a new picture and add the text and not worry about how to design it. It'll just, when they hit enter, it'll just design for them and, and build it out perfectly every time. It works very well. Yeah, nice, nice. Mickey, uh... I have two questions left and uh, my first question about your experience uh, because I have students in my network who are looking for ways how to learn from scratch uh, because I think uh, web development will always be in case, you know, it doesn't matter if we have AI, any other stuff, it's important to mm -hmm. have this knowledge. So can you tell? Uh, what will you do today if you start from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, how to learn web development uh, from, from completely scratch? Yeah. So it's basically the way I learned it back in 2000 is I wanted to have a website with guitar chords on it for people to know how to play different songs on the guitar. And I had no idea how to do this. I had learned how to just get a website set up and make it work. And then I read some books about how to build a database. And every time I came across a new problem I wanted to solve, I had to do reading to solve that problem. And 
Like that's how our developers learn too. We'll say, hey, developer, we have this new site. Here's three things you've done a lot of, and here's this fourth thing you've never done before. So that is the impetus for her to learn when she gets those issues she's never seen before. Uh, so really just building a site, saying, hey, I'm going to start a site, start it simple, you know, just build something, maybe start blogging or whatever, but just taking the time to build a site, figure out how to get a domain name map to it, and kind of get it off the ground. And then just, yeah, think of new things you want to add and then take the time to research how you might add them. So I certainly encourage blogging in public. You know, I think that's a good way to do it, but just setting up a custom blog. Don't don't just get a free one. Learn how to build a site, get a domain name, you know, take the time to learn those tools, get your blog set up and use that as kind of a space to learn, but then say, ooh, I wish I had a feature where it would sort the videos. How do I do that? And go read and learn and just, just kind of solving your own problems can be a great way to learn how to get things done. Yeah, nice, nice. And my last question about uh, future. You know, uh, we have AI today. We don't know what kind of future will be. So we have many predictions, forecasts. So can you forecast what kind of future will be in web development and your tips how to adapt today to this possible future? Yeah, so the future, we talk about that a lot and it's so hard to know what's coming, but I think it's really just going to make our job easier. So that could replace us for a while. Our developers are still going to be needed to build stuff. We still have to take the time to talk to customers and really see what they want because AI can give you a pretty generic you know, message for what you want to say, which is okay for some, but if you want to get specific and really solve problems, you have to do that. But to prepare for it, I think just use it. I encourage people to use ChatGPT instead of Google for some of their searches and just play with some of the image tools. Just, just play with it and just kind of understand what's there and how it works. And I think it's the best way to prepare is at least just to be familiar with what's going on. So I keep ChatGPT open. I don't use it a lot, but I try to force myself to use it more often just so I can get better at using it and understand what it can do and where it falls short. And and understand where it is and same with the image tools. I think one great thing I'm looking forward to is you know sourcing stock images is a pain. It's, a, it's hard to find the right one sometimes, but pretty quickly we'll be able to just go to Stable Diffusion and say, I need a stock image of three men at a chalkboard making a formula and like poof, it'll make the perfect image for you every time. So that'll be kind of nice when that comes along and that should make development faster and a little bit less expensive and should be a win for everybody, except for, I guess, people selling stock photos. So that'll be not great for them, but... <laughs> It's where it's going. So yeah. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I agree. If someone uh sells stuff, it's better to make high quality photos of the stuff, you know, because right. customers love it. It's not like to take stock photos, pictures, because it's not it 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 doesn't uh help to win trust, you know, from customers. Right. For sure. Mickey, it's yeah, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. You always, always, always share a lot of valuable insights. I love it. So tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Sure. So our company is greenmelonmedia.com. You can spell that melon however you want, greenmelonmedia.com. And all my stuff is Mickmel, M-I-C-K-M-E-L. Mickmel.com, I blog daily on there. You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and wherever you want to catch me from that. So. Mm -hmm. Nice, guys. You can find the links to Mickey Mellon uh, in the description below, to the website, to LinkedIn account. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's better to follow Mickey because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you.